It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the show where I invite guests over to my apartment and we watch any TV show that they want. Uh, today, my guest is Mike Desenzo from Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, one of the writers on the show. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Um, so, you before we get started with the show that you watched, you're actually the first guest, I think, that was mentioned in a previous episode or their work. I think you might have been mentioned in two episodes. <laughs> Seth Reese's. Seth Reese's. And then I watched... A episode of Saved by the Bell with Jeff Rubin from College Humor. Right. And, he, and your work came up because <laughs> when we were talking about Saved by the Bell, we talked about um, the whole idea of the reunion on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Right. And you were involved with that, correct? Yeah, that was kind of like an, an idea me and Jimmy had, which was to uh, try to reunite the cast of Saved by the Bell. But I think we went about it the wrong way, which was <laughs> not telling any of them uh-huh. first and just launching the campaign just spontaneously. Well, that might be the wrong way, but th- I feel like that's how it sort of needs to happen in a way, like to get fans well, involved. Or was it why did, was it the wrong way because people responded? Well, it, well, it was the wrong way if we wanted it to happen. But also, some of the more awesome moments, like Mark Paul doing the Zach Morris interview, probably would not have happened. Right. That well, and if anybody listening hasn't seen it, it's pretty much incredible. It's uh, Mark Paul Gosler who played Zach Morris. Came on the show, dressed as Zach, yeah. in character the entire time. Yes, for his interview. It was his interview for his show, Raising the Bar, at the time. And he he actually called Jimmy and said, I want to come out as Zach Morris and do an interview as Zach Morris. So that was really his idea. Wow. Because like, I would never even think to pitch that, because like, who would do that? I know. That seems like one of those things that you'd pitch and be like, okay, well, we can't ask that, because of yeah. course they wouldn't want it. It's like almost... I feel like it would feel insulting to Yeah, but to it was it. totally his idea, and he was like, I want to play Friends Forever with the Roots, which we did. And then I, I met him, like, he was in, in town for, like, the upfronts for uh, Raising the Bar, and I met him at uh, some hotel, and uh, he, like, we talked, and he talked about what he wanted, and I had some ideas. And uh, he was pretty happy with the script, and he just nailed it. He brought his own wardrobe. That's he brought the the big cell phone. He brought that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I wonder what the, I mean when when talking to him because I feel like to do that he must have a understanding, obviously understanding of the character and of the fandom of the show. Like, was he? He must have been super into it. He totally was. He he kind of wanted and knew it would be like a big thing on the internet, and uh, he totally was aware of that. Every like inside reference I put in there, he loved because he was like. He totally got it. He was like, the more specific, the better, because like, then people will see it and be like, oh my God, I remember that. I remember that part. I remember that he got a 1502 on his SATs. <laughs> uh, An impossible score. Impossible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he, he totally got it and was down to do anything. And, and he he'd nailed... It was just weird, really surreal like being in the dressing room before like running lines with him. He's just like totally in character. I mean, that must, I mean, you were, I'm assuming a big fan of the show. When Huge it was, fan. Yeah. yeah so that, I mean, when it comes to like working with 
I mean, like people that you looked up to. I mean, this is even beyond that. It's like <laughs> it's crazy. It's being like, next to the because car- it's a character, not even a person I looked up to. Yeah. It's a character I looked up to. Yeah, that's so crazy. And now I assume you're as big a fan of raising the bar. Oh that. yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I watched a couple, and he was good in that. But now he's got the Franklin and Bash show, which I think is actually doing pretty well. Oh, okay. Is that a lawyer thing? It sounds like a lawyer thing. I believe it is. I think that's what he does. <laughs> that's his like. He's he does the lawyer thing. Th- that's but, hey, pretty, whatever works. That's a pretty strong route to go. Yeah. Um, were, was there any other experiences during that that was like you you were surprised by what happened in that whole Save by the Bell reunion? Um, well, the other cool things were the very first one we did was uh, Dennis Haskins as Mister Belding right. came out, and that was awesome. Um, and then the other surreal moment was like, we got Mario Lopez to come out, like do a walk on surprise walk on where we sort of recreated the plot of the save the max episode mm-hmm. where they're like doing the fundraiser to save the max. And Slater had been on, on the, uh, they had the whole radio show that they, they found downstairs K-T-T-Y in the basement. KTTY Bayside? That's exactly it. KTTY Bayside. <laughs> and we used that actual sound clip in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the thing. But uh, he was really cool. And I, it was fun just because that's one of my favorite episodes. And uh, so we recreated that as like Jimmy saying like we needed all these people to call in and sign a petition to right. reunite the cast. And then they all fall asleep. And then uh, Mario Lopez came, came out and <laughs> delivered like pretty much word for word the uh, same speech that he does in Save the Max, and it was just really cool. I, I remember he had like he was like, "Do you have any notes for me?" Like after rehearsal, I was like, "It's all perfect." There's one thing where uh, AC Slater sort of like is pointing at the microphone when he's talking. He's like, "You can't give up. You can't." And he's like pointing at the <laughs> microphone weirdly and. And I told him that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he did it, and he nailed it completely, but he forgot to point at the microphone. And like the first second after he came out uh, backstage, he was like, oh, I forgot to point at the microphone. And I was like, don't worry. It was awesome. <laughs> For but, the like supreme nerds, that would be like Yeah, like you really would have had to, to watch it yesterday eight times. Yeah, to which re- I'm sure there was somebody besides for you who did that. <laughs> I hope so. Um that is incredible. And then who there? There was a holdout, right? So it didn't fully. Ha- what? There was a lot of different things. Uh, Dustin Diamond. I mean, I don't think anyone really wanted him to be a part of it. Uh huh. And it's kind of not Saved by the Bell reunion if he's not. Right. Well, he's he. Screech. I think. I assume is it because of his tell-all book behind the bell? Yeah, that and among other things, I'm sure. But it was tough to try to, especially when everyone kind of felt like it was sprung upon them right. without going to them first which i understand now that was like literally the first month of the show yeah that was at the beginning of yeah. uh, late night um that's really awesome so uh, is there and now we can sort of segue into the new show would is this show that we're gonna watch now is this so basically we didn't watch Saved by the bell because i'd watched one recently right and i and i i told you that and the second show that you mentioned was gilmore girls gilmore girls <laughs> which is Really, I mean, it's surprising to me in that it's just a show that I've never talked to anybody who's watched it. Not that I have mm-hmm. anything against it. It's just something sure. that's never really been on my radar uh, at all, sort of. Yeah, it's um, it hadn't been on my radar till like, I guess it was the fourth season of the show when I just randomly caught an episode. And uh, I just always assumed it was, like, a show for, like, girls and stuff right. and, like... Uh, 
but it turns out it's really funny and it's really uh just an awesome sh- all-around show like the town and all the characters are just super well developed and you feel like you know them and the humor comes from like the characters being themselves it's hard to really describe and Perhaps watching one episode isn't the best sort of way to... If I don't like this episode, we will never talk again. <laughs> um, but I was surprised because I looked it up, Gilmore Girls, up today, and, and it was like one of Time Magazine's top 100 TV shows, and it was on like a bunch of lists. It really, I would say, like start to finish is maybe the best TV show I've ever seen. That is... Crazy. I mean, not, not, that's not, not, not that I don't believe it. It's just like, it's surprising to me. Because even like looking at the cover of the DVD right now, <laughs> right. it is um, it's it's pink. very pink. Yeah. Uh, no, There's a lot of images, like no cell phones, there's a cup of coffee. And then um, Lauren Graham, is that her name? Lauren Graham. And uh, Alexis Bledel. And some girl that, you just, <laughs> that I already don't remember the name. And they're sort of leaning on each other and it looks very loving. They are leaning on each other. You know, physically and emotionally. Whoa, okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Um, so, and to give a synopsis sort of of the show as a whole, it's about a mother and daughter. Is that right? Yes. Single mother. Um, and she had Rory, her daughter, when she was 16. And so, like, I think the show starts around when Rory is 16. Oh, so, so she might be see- feeling some of the things that... It's It's sort of like... Rory is now entering into like uh, a more like romance part of her life mm-hmm. and other things dealing with other things and this is like the bond between mother and daughter but there's so much other stuff that goes on in the show but that's that's the core of the show yeah and I'd assume that uh, because Lauren Graham's character which is what's her name in Lorelai Lorelai that because her daughter's now 16 she's seeing when she was 16 she had the kid mm-hmm. so maybe that comes into play of when she's giving advice and everything yeah definitely i have no i'm making assumptions but no no, no, you're totally right Um, (laughs) and what was the episode that you chose to watch i chose one it's called to live and let diorama which is i actually haven't seen it in a while but there's i just remember being pretty funny and um just pretty representative of the show it's hard to pick just one episode and like i it's you know, you don't want. I wanted to pick the finale, maybe, but I didn't want to give it away in case uh-huh. you were to get really into the show. Wow. Okay. Th- uh, and I appreciate that. I would say, like, if you watched like from the very beginning, you would love the show. Okay. I've never. It was. It was funny because, like, I was in college. <clears throat> I'll just briefly tell you the story of how I uh, learned about Kill More Girls. I was in college, and uh, I think I was a pretty cynical dude. Mm-hmm. Just as you know, as most college dudes are, like pretty cynical and like obviously the Gilmore Girls never registered on my radar, and I just thought it was a stupid girls show. Right. And uh, you're basically explaining my yeah position right exactly. Now, yeah. Um, and then I was just I was home over like winter break one, I think it was two thousand three, two thousand four, like that winter break, and. Uh, I was just flipping through the channels, and uh, one one of the episodes was on, and I I was like, oh, you know what? I'll I'll give it a chance, and I w- just really liked it, and I was laughing. I was like, wow, this is pretty good, and I kind of will credit the Gilmore Girls and the Dixie Chicks as two things that sort of opened me up to like 
not being so close-minded about anything. Wow. Because they happened around the same time. Like, I, I just, I discovered, like, whoa, there's, like, this whole other world of stuff out there that's good that otherwise I probably would never have even considered giving a shot. Right. In fact, it's like you might even, like, shit on it without Exactly, yeah, it. being, like, super judgmental about it without having seen it, which I don't think you were. You said you just don't know about no, it. No, sure, yeah. I, I, I but, wouldn't you know, assume it's my cup. I wouldn't assume it's my cup of tea, but, I, of course, there's nothing wrong with inherently with this show. Right. Um, so I do credit the Gilmore Girls for that. And then I, I, I used to, like, spread it around, like, gospel to all my friends. I was like, you guys got to watch the Gilmore Girls. Like, I know, like, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Trust me. You trust my judgment. Just watch it. And, like, I'm pretty sure they're all huge Gilmore really? Girls Really? So you converted people. I totally converted And people. do you think that, like, knowing the people that you converted to fans, did you see that they it had a similar impact with them? Like, that it opened totally. them up? Totally. Then they were converting others and spreading the word. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I, that that makes me very excited to watch the show. That's like a I feel like I'm an Oprah moment or something <laughs> that this show opened you up so much. I don't know if I have anything that I can really like say that really did this. I mean, in a way, like this isn't the same that it opened me to other things. But like when I saw Mr. Show, I was like, oh wow, you can like it, it right. was like wow, people can do stuff like this. Like, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, but I don't know if I've ever watched something that's been like. I need to be a. Uh, I guess when I see documentaries, I'm like, I should be a better person or something like that. But that only lasts like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. The other thing I've had with Gilmore Girls is I've had a couple existential crises. Really? About revolving around this show, which is I've watched it. I sort of watched it mostly once through when I when I was got into it, and then again I watched it all the way through, and then in my head I was like. How many time how many more times in my life am I going to watch this entire show? And it makes you really think about like your own mortality cuz like I mean probably not that many more times <laughs> am I going to sit and watch the entire series of the Gilmore Girls, but it's it's amazing and it just takes you on this journey from start to finish. But, you know, it really makes you consider life. Wow, this is uh, I am like I'm over. I hope I picked a good episode. <laughs> if it's bad, I'll, if it's really bad, I'm gonna be like, all right, well, all right, dude, nice try. Yeah, um, cool. Well, I'm really excited to check it out. So we're gonna watch To Live and Let Diorama. Yes, off the fifth season of Gilmore Girls. Yes, and this is again the first time that anybody's even brought DV- their own DVDs <laughs> to the show. So this is like a super. I'm super excited. Um, uh, let's check it out. Mr. Twickham has left his beautiful home to the town. Is his deathbed still there? I'm not picky. What does that mean to the town? Luke, what are you doing here? Just keep going, Taylor. He left the house to the Stars Hollow Historical Society along with his ample collection of valuable memorabilia. His will stipulates that the house is to be converted into a museum. A museum? Are you going to interrupt me the whole meeting? I'm just asking. A Stars Hollow Museum. We will display his personal historical artifacts for a period of two months. After two months, the house is to be disposed of at the discretion of the head of the historical society, he meaning me. Oh, goody. So now you're going to talk under your breath. I'm sorry. Funny, I didn't hear those words come out of your mouth this morning after you tried to kill me. What? So we're going to need strong volunteers to make this dream a reality. Now, anyone with the appropriate skills, let's see a show of hands. 
Uh, you really have to fill me in on the gag here. Luke, don't come to these things just to mock our business. I'm not mocking anything. I'm volunteering. After you threw a frying pan at my head. You threw a frying pan at Taylor's head? Just for playing my Muzak too loud. I mean, who doesn't love Muzak? Oh, music lovers? Okie dokie. So we just finished To Live or Diorama. Is that what it was called? To Live, live and Let Diorama. Live and, to Live yeah. and Let Diorama. So why don't we give a quick synopsis of the episode? There are a couple things going on. Right. So this is the one that begins with old man Twickham mm-hmm. finally passing away. It's a very quaint name for an old man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Luke has always wanted the Twickham house for him and Lorelai. Um, so when Taylor says that they're going to turn into some uh, Stars Hollow Museum, Luke volunteers. Lots of zaniness there right. with Taylor, the uptight mayor of the town, or selectman, town selectman. And uh, and Luke, who's putting on a good spirits. Uh, you didn't you didn't get to see the full disgruntled Luke, which yeah, is he's the classic Luke. He, he was very, as you said while we're watching, he was happy in this episode, but he's right. usually a little angry. Yes, because in this episode, he's with Lorelai. I think they'd just gotten back together maybe a few episodes prior to this. Um but still, you see his good heart. Right. Definitely. Um, definitely. Well, at some point, he's, he said that he'd wanted to raise a family in this house. Yes. But then, when the selectman said, with Lorelai, he said, whatever. So I was like... That's just him being coy. That's just him yeah. being Luke. Yeah. Um, and then the other plot is... Which actually is a relatively minor plot for Rory. Maybe this wasn't the best episode to start on, but I think there was funny moments mm-hmm. in it. Sure. Uh, but Rory is uh, dealing with um, some issues with Logan. He's off. He's like her last boyfriend. Covers the last couple seasons of the show. After Dean and Jess. You didn't get to see the whole Dean and Jess thing, which is a don't, big don't. big thing. For Gilmore Girls Did fans. I see either Dean and Jess? You saw this? Dean. Dean was the guy who was talking to Luke there at the end. Okay, the yeah. ex-boyfriend. Yep, yep. Um, so, so what? How would you? So, this is interesting because this is season five of the epi- uh, season five of Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to you uh, during it, you said that when it started, it was a lot about the relationship between uh, the main character Lorelai and her parents, bringing her parents back in because she was sort of they sort of disowned her. When she got pregnant? Yeah, where she kind of like ran away. Because I think they wanted her to just marry Christopher, who was, uh, that's who, that's the father of Rory. They wanted them to just get married. And uh, Lorelai wanted to have a life and be independent. So she ran off and ran off in, into this town, Stars Hollow. And she sort of became like, her and Rory became like the, Almost like the daughters of this town. Right. The town sort of raised Rory with Lorelai and sort of raised Lorelai as well. So so do you find that the, the show sort of, sort of changed? Because I was, read one thing online that said that the first like couple seasons were great. And the, this is what I read online, so mm-hmm. it's not me. Yeah, but sure. it said that it sort of dipped towards the end. Do you see that? It, I mean, and that happens a lot in shows. Do you see that happen in this? I don't think so, actually. And I think the main thing people always say is because... Really, the first six seasons, there are seven seasons, the first six seasons are all Amy Sherman Palladino. Okay. I don't know if you know her, but she created her. the show, and she like wrote for, she was a big writer for Roseanne and stuff, okay. but she created the show, and this was her sort of whole vision. Her and her husband, Daniel Palladino, I think wrote almost every episode of the wow. series from seasons one through six, and then at the end of six, 
I think there was some contract thing or something. She just left the show. Money. And she kind of left it. She kind of, I want to say, like, just left it in a bad spot intentionally. Like, I think she was bitter. Oh, really? So she, like, the end of the sixth season puts you in this spot where it's like it's it puts the next guy in charge in a huge hole really and there was what one did, what season did, what did the, she do well it was basically i mean not to give anything away but basically she gets back together with uh christopher who's the father of rory who keeps popping back up in throughout the series and uh sort of leaves luke um and then so the whole last season is sort of like digging out of this hole that right. no fan wanted to see it go down that uh-huh. way. And so she kind of like titanicked it a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, so I think that's why a lot of people didn't like the last season. A, she went out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. It's like, and whenever, whenever like the whole voice of the show leaves, people are just automatically going to like hate whatever comes next. Sure. And it was an unpopular sort of thing that she had happened there at the end so but the guy had to like you know roll with it i think it's david rosenthal who took over i thought he did a pretty admirable job turning it around and ending it on a very awesome note the okay. finale and the last the last few episodes i think just like really awesome and are the way it's supposed to end so i, I give him credit for that but yeah yeah no i've heard that that it goes downhill. And then, of course, when Rory moves to Yale and she goes to college, you lose, like, the intimacy of the mother-daughter Well, that's what I was a little surprised by when it happened was that the she the daughter li- lives at college, so she had to, like, visit. So I assume, like, she must have to visit all the time to make... Well, it's that to, Friday night dinner thing sort oh, of keeps right. everything to, held together. The Friday night dinner thing being that every Friday night. Yeah, they have, they have dinner with uh, Emily and Richard, which is Lorelai's parents. So what? So I have to say, so this show, watching it, it's definitely like it's a little absurd. Like they have, it's like the town is sort of absurd. It's you a know, quirky town. It's a quirky for sure. town. Um, I sort of not that this is anything like Twin Peaks, but I was like in the way that that. Um, like the quirky thing is everybody's on board for. Like they're not the things that are weird aren't weird to anybody. Right, there. right. Like for instance, one of the characters that boy just is sleeping on in everybody's house. Right, Kirk. Yeah, Kirk. Yeah, he's he's kind of like the he's kind of like the comedic character who's always doing something silly in every episode. But uh, he's really funny in the show. Um, but yeah, it's the town is like a weird town and it's like very sense of community and stuff. And they do a lot of weird events and, uh, and stuff like that, which mostly everyone's on board with, except usually Luke. He's usually like, sort of like there's the, that uh, old Luke being Lukey. Yeah. Um, and which, what character do you, cause I mean, what, who would you relate to most in the show? Like who do you personally relate to? I love Luke. You love Luke. I love it. <laughs> I, I feel like Luke is what all men should aspire to. Really? Be. Yeah. Wow. Wait, and he does he always wear a backward baseball cap? <laughs> he does. So he that's does. like one of the attributes of he a man. does. Well, I started wearing flannel shirts at one point, largely because of really, Luke. Yeah. It po- like maybe like fifteen years after like Nirvana and grunge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't because of. Pearl Jammer, Kurt, Kurt Cobain. It was it was all Luke Danes. Luke Danes. So what about his character is so manly? Like why? why he's just all? amazing. He's. I mean, maybe you didn't see it all in here, but he's like, he was basically like uh, this father figure to Rory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he'll just like he just helped out Lorelai so much. Like I think in one episode, like she's talking about how she needed money to uh, to save her inn that she started, and like she wasn't asking for it, and then like he just gave her a check for ten thousand dollars. That's, that's pretty, pretty huge. That's pretty big. And then there's just all different things. Like when her father had like a heart attack or something, like he drove her to the hospital and like got food for everyone and stuff. He's always like fixing stuff at her house. Never, He's like a genuinely good guy. Genuinely good guy. A little and, rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah. Like a man should be. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> I have to say the show is like, it's like sort of surprising because it is like a just sort it's sort of like a really genuine show in a way. Like there are, it's like, I wouldn't, it's like, it feels very like family oriented. Yeah. So is that like, in general, are you a fan of stuff like that? Like sort of genuine family, um, like, I wouldn't say it's like, it's not like, it's not cheesy, but it's like, it definitely feels like a show that you'd sit down when you're a kid and watch with your parents or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably mostly mothers and daughters watched it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched it alone. So what, or with like, my what, is it, what is it, do you think, that like made you like really drawn to it? I would say, I mean, I think it's funny. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of funny moments and it it probably made me laugh more than a lot of like sitcoms on the mm-hmm. show that are like trying to be super funny. And the other thing I think about it, which I say about this and other shows that I really like, which is that it feels very pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like for the first six seasons, it was two people writing the whole show. Every episode. Right. Pretty much with a couple exceptions. But, uh, I always feel like when there's something that's totally pure and like even if not every joke is as funny as the last or, you know, when it's, you could tell when it's just one voice sort of coming through and it's almost more enjoyable than something where every single joke is like the best it could possibly be or every single moment. This person was able to tell the story they wanted to tell. It's like a complete thought. Yeah, you just feel, it just feels right Right. when you're watching it. Nothing about it feels like weird or out of place or like, oh, that was clearly a better episode than that or that was clear. It was hard. That's why it was difficult to pick an episode. There's, I think every episode has its, has its strong points and then, you know, I feel bad picking this one. It didn't showcase the the Lorelai's parents at all right and they're huge huge characters in the show this may, maybe is the only episode that they're not in <laughs> at all <laughs> so yeah but well I don't blame you this, for it this was a, a Taylor heavy episode he's not that big of a character and Kirk is usually more minor character mm-hmm. and obviously Rory is usually has a bigger storyline and and stuff. Um, and you were saying before that this sort of like opened you up to other things. So like, do you find that cause it's a very like sort of positive show or, you know, is, have you are more of a positive person in general? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. I totally believe that. Um, like I said, this and like the Dixie chicks, right. There are two things in college when I was super cynical and like, I liked really just like had super high standards and like I wouldn't get into anything that I didn't think was like cool or awesome or the funniest edgiest thing possible sure and like enjoying that this show as much as I did sort of like made me realize like that's a not a great way to live like it's just weird to live like that and like I also feel like that's helped that immensely at uh at Jimmy Fallon which is a 
positive talk show. Yeah, that's what and, I was going to ask because I feel like more so than any other late night show, Jimmy Fallon is very positive. Like you never see him really. I mean, there are obviously jokes, you know, like topical things that you know somebody sort of at the yeah. expense, but it's not real. It's very positive. It's very um, audience uh, like. Uh, participate you know like the audience yep. participates in it. it's very like exciting and fun yeah there's you know with as with any show we sort of figured it out as we went but we figured out pretty early that the stuff that was most positive humor worked really well and anything that was like kind of negative or like shitting on celebrities or you know just like even like anti-comedy type stuff like that stuff just didn't really work with Jimmy and his vibe. And like, uh, you know, I think that, you know, I learned a lot from the Gilmore girls. I I really do believe I really point to that show as something that sort of opened my mind to like, I shouldn't be like this negative about things that I didn't even give a chance. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I do think that's an important part of, of life yeah i think well i think it's pretty amazing also just for like the late night thing because i'd say that if anybody were to describe late night in general it's like it's pretty negative in a way you know like not not late night with jimmy i'm saying like late night programming it's like people it's like cynical cynical and ironic ironic somebody's the butt of the joke yeah definitely ironic so like was that sort of um what was that like to like to sort of realize that being negative wasn't didn't really work um it was both hard because it's harder to make positive jokes yeah that's what i had assumed. <laughs> yeah just like picking a celebrity picking their flaw and making a joke about yeah. it but i also think that it's really good in that it makes you work harder to sort of make a joke instead of right. just relying on the same old stuff and, and there's definitely stuff we rely on like New Gingrich is fat type jokes. He's fat. It's yeah. funny. Come on. I mean, I'm not going to put us on a pedestal and say like we don't like, but you know, we don't shit on like celebrities that aren't even in the news that right. still have like flaws like that. Rarely. But also it's, um, yeah, what was I saying? It's, it's, it's the other, oh, yeah. The other good thing about it is though other celebrities see that we aren't shitting on them all the time and they're more willing to, to take part in like games and stuff when they come on the show. So you get to see these celebrities, like it's almost like, and this is our segment producers too, kind of build this. It's like a safe haven for them. They come on, they can do silly things and they're not worried about them being the butt of some weird joke. Like Jimmy's not going to do a Letterman thing, which is great. I mean, Letterman, he's been broadcasting for 30 or 40 years. He's, he is who he is and it's awesome. But you know, it's also fun to to have celebrities just be able to be themselves and and not and joke around and not feel like are they trying to pull a fast one on me and make me look stupid here? No, totally. it's just everyone's having fun and it, it's cool. It livens up like the interview sections for sure to see celebrities doing stupid games and stuff. Right. Well, it also must be awesome for celebrities just to be like, well, then I'm going to go to this show and have a good time. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I you know I think that helps with getting good guests and just it's a very fun atmosphere and like the audience comes to laugh and play along and and have fun yeah i have to ask because i think i either talked to seth or dan about it but you write um the wheel of carpet samples yes right and there was the episode where john cleese yes did play wheel of carpet yeah he co-hosted wheel of carpet samples that was i remember watching that and being like this is 
amazing. I mean, uh, it was so funny. And then on top of that, it was like, I think I watched it before I knew that you wrote it, but I was like, whoever wrote this must be so like flipping out that John you Cleese was. Re- you have no idea. Because not only was he participating in being the host, but he was like cracking up throughout the entire thing. That was the amazing thing. Like that was, that was like one of my best experiences on the show. And that was like in the first six months of the show, I want to say. And, um, when everyone knew I was a huge Monty Python fan, like that was like one of my big influences comedy wise coming into the show. Like, um, and, uh, when, when we heard we were doing a whole show with them, they were like, Jimmy had this idea where it was like a game show with six hosts, which I thought was a really funny idea. And they were like, well, to keep it in the world of the show, <clears throat> maybe you could do a carpet samples with six hosts. So I wrote one with like, or five, yeah, six hosts, five, five living Monty Pythons and, uh, and Jimmy mm-hmm. hosting the show. And I was like, I spent two straight days, like just like writing it to like make sure. Cause like it's a sketch for Monty Python. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty insane. tall order. That's a pretty tall. But, uh, <clears throat> eventually a couple of them, like Palin ended up not being able to make it to the show at all. And then I think Gilliam said yes to it maybe, or, or like, but Eric Idle had a musical performance later in the show. So he didn't want to do that. Anyway, what it turned out was Cleese was on board. And they're like, well, let's just do it with Jimmy and Cleese, which, I mean, it was still amazing. And, like, I just remember, like, rehearsing it, like, four times with John Cleese. And, like, I remember him saying, like, he was like, well, I read the script. It's excellent. I was like, what? (laughs) That just doesn't, not supposed to happen. Like, he's John Cleese. Like, it's insane. Uh, But he was super nice and just hilarious. And, like, he got all the jokes like he he understood it like i mean obviously he yeah underst- he understood my sketch yeah <laughs> but it was just really crazy and there's like the one moment where he like just breaks and like laughs for like him and jimmy laugh for like 30 or 40 yeah. seconds and i was just watching and i was like i can't believe this is happening yeah i feel like that must have been like sort of a like um every like uh, like everything coming together like totally it was I just call- like an aff- totally affirming like moment where i just- really I shit you not I called like every single person I knew after that and like told them all about it because like I couldn't I was just walking around outside 30 Rock I was like I I can't believe I have to tell people that this has happened before it's it's, maybe it's not real like I have to like say that it happened that's it it is amazing because I I mean I watched it I was like this is so awesome it's crazy that you watched it yeah because it was very early on yeah oh yeah well I I was I watched I was watching the show a lot then and and that sketch itself is is just really funny, and then, and it was really awesome because yeah, that was either for what some doc- the documentary that was coming out or some Mind yeah. Python was releasing something. Yeah, they were. So it was like, was it all week or was it just a just that episode? one show? But the yeah. whole show was them. Yeah, it was really cool, and they did like a fi- like the full interview of like yes. everybody. Yeah, it was, really it was cool. also my idea to um, do the uh, It's Man. Do you know Do you know Monty Python Flying Circus? I all? do, but I don't. I haven't seen like every. Um, there's like a. The the first several episodes start with uh, the It's Man, which is uh, oh yeah, sure, yeah. Michael Palin like in a long beard, it's and, and he'll run all the way right. up to the screen, just say It's yeah, and then they go into the thing. But we 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 started that show with actual footage of the It's Man coming up and saying It's, and then we went into our opening credits, which 
that was just cool it was just cool to like i was such a big monty python fan to be well it's to, cool like, because i mean you have to assume that a lot of monty python fans tuned in so that's yeah like exactly part of their that like you're part of it for, yeah you know? it was crazy that was i mean thank I, i'm glad you watched it oh, and yeah, liked yeah. it. like that's definitely one of the most surreal moments on the show yeah along with the zach morris thing, which I'm that sure was yes the- and so many more like uh, yeah. Well, you can brag about all of them. I don't <laughs> feel bad. No, no. Um, have you ever tried to, with the Gilmore Girls, like, it seems like you're a huge fan of this. Have you ever tried to do anything Gilmore Girls related? I did one small Gilmore Girls thing, which is, uh, there's this bit uh, we do called Shoutouts, which is uh, written by Bashir and Diallo, uh, two other writers on the show. And so it's a fun bit, but, like, we all pitch ideas for it and stuff. So I wrote one that I got to do on the air, which is like just me giving a shout out to the Gilmore girls. Uh And I was wearing a a t-shirt that I have that says, uh, Babette ate oatmeal, which is a a very inside reference to one scene in one episode where, uh, Kirk, who you saw, like he started, like, uh, he saw that CNN or something was making shirts that had like headlines from, from the, from the world. Right. And so he decided to make headlines about, news events in stars hollow That's so really babette is played by sally struthers and she's lorelei's <laughs> next next door neighbor and so he was selling lorelei's shirt or something and the headline was babette ate oatmeal that's <laughs> amazing and is that something that you found online or you had a ma- they made it specifically? i had one but then i made i had our i had our wardrobe department replicate it exactly just because i'm a you know perfectionist and then a lot of people on twitter like tweet like they got it they're like Holy shit, he's wearing a Babette 8 oatmeal t-shirt. That's so funny. Have you And you have one of those yourself, the shirt? Yeah. Have you ever worn it and people have like been like, oh, I know that? Maybe a couple people, but not that many people get it. It's literally one episode. Of- Isn't it amazing that like you could wear that and then on Twitter like people notice like how... I mean, because I would never assume... I mean, obviously this show has fans, but like the fact that it has its own like fandom. And, oh, yeah. Like, uh like super fans that are just out there that would recognize that. Yeah, I was even surprised that they sold Bebe oatmeal shirts online. Yeah. Like when I when I first looked for them. But yeah, it's crazy. And then I wore like a uh, one other time I wore a Desmond is my constant shirt uh-huh. from uh Lost. Do you watch Lost at all? No, I don't I, I don't want it was like a big lost reference and uh yeah, it's crazy. People we, just like they go crazy for like the specific stuff. Well, I think that it's idea of like, oh my god, they like what I like. Yeah, it sort of like validates it in a way. You know, like it's like it's, yeah, no, it's cool. It's fun. That's it's really cool. Um, it, and uh, I is there anything that you've um, worked on recently or that's coming up on Fallon that you're like super excited for? Since it se- it seems like you have a sort of a dream job where you get to a lot of things intersect like in an amazing way. I think it's pretty unique and like pretty awesome that the show allows you to like bring your own interests into it. Yeah. You know? I would say that the most amazing thing, you know, the Cleese thing is up there and the Zach Morris thing is up there in its own way. But, uh, I got to write a song for Paul McCartney to sing. We did. Uh, do you know the story at all about? Uh, oh, scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. Yeah, I saw. That yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. I mean, that's uh, yeah. For those of you can explain it for. Uh, yeah, I mean, like basically um, the song yesterday um, when Paul McCartney came up with the melody for it, he had placeholder lyrics that were scrambled eggs. Oh my baby, how I love your legs! In place of yesterday, blah blah blah. Um, 
It's just kind of like this rock legend. Yeah, like, it's like something that if you're a Beatles fan, it's like you know. It's like, did you know Scrambled Eggs? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scrambled Eggs was the original title of Yesterday. Um, but he was coming on, and Jimmy was looking for for ideas, and like I, I, I thought of like just writing the full Scrambled Eggs and having him perform it. Um, and so, like over Thanksgiving break i just i just wrote it i wrote the whole thing and i i recorded myself doing it i sent it to jimmy and he was like super psyched about the idea and he was like screw paul mccartney you should sing it <laughs> <laughs> well he was like if paul mccartney doesn't do it he would do it as paul mccartney right, which is pretty cool um and so like he went to up to uh paul's because P- paul mccartney was doing uh snl that week so that's like that's why he was on our show that thursday and so he pitched it to him and uh he said McCartney was into it, and he did it, and it was just like that was the most mind blowing I mean, thing. That's like he wouldn't I do mean, it by himself. He wanted Jimmy to do it with him, and I was I was bummed about that at uh, first. But then I'm like, wait, what the? F- what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like how spoiled are you? There? Like <laughs> yeah. I don't want Paul McCartney sings. Oh god, oh it's Fine. not pure anymore. Okay, <laughs> I mean he's like one of the. I mean the biggest rock band in music history yeah and one of the most notable like legends of music just <laughs> legends of life yeah. yeah yeah and he's he's performing it that's pretty yeah that was amazing insane but the cool thing is we're we're coming out with like an, an album of a lot of the songs from our show now and he agreed to let us put that on there oh that's so amazing. Like in June or something, that's going to be available. So you're going to be getting royalties nope. all like no, life. no, no. <laughs> I will get nothing for that. <laughs> but it's I, I just think it's cool that oh, I could buy it on iTunes now and stuff. That's super cool. Um, well, awesome, man. I'm really glad you came and introduced me to Gilmore Girls. I I hope people who listen they they're they're open a little bit more to things. I really believe if you watch. If anyone out there watches Gilmore Girls, start from season one, episode one. And if you don't like it by, well, I'm going to say the fifth episode, watch five full episodes if you want. And if you don't like it by then, go ahead and give it up. But I think you will love it and you'll eat it up and devour the rest of the series. And it's sort of like the secret. It's like, it'll help you. Once you do that, you will achieve. Look at all the things you can achieve <laughs> <laughs> to, to link those things. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so maybe I'll have to check out season one, and uh, and we'll do maybe we'll do a um, an episode uh, when I, we check in on my, yeah on my Gilmore Girls. Yeah, let's do it. Um, thanks so Mike much. So, thanks so Mike much. <laughs> You're really, good right up until the oh very God, end. Fuck. Okay, we're starting. <laughs> we're starting over. All right. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Mike DiCenzo. Uh, it was awesome having him here to talk about Gilmore Girls and all that BTS about L-N-W-J-F. That's behind the scenes with Jimmy at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I already messed up my own abbreviation. Uh, I'm good at figuring out the abbreviations, but to unfurl them again and and say what it meant is harder for me. Um but uh, that was awesome. So uh, if you are a listener and you like the show, please feel free to leave a uh, review on iTunes. If I get um, a couple more, I'll stop asking for them. It, it, it's just a way to validate my life. I'm sitting here alone recording this right now. Mike is gone. I've eaten 16 pints of Ben & Jerry's uh, Chunky Monkey. 
and I've been listening to the Beastie Boys song uh, uh, Brass Monkey, That Funky Monkey, uh, over on repeat, so you can see how sad it gets uh, on the end of the podcast. But uh, thanks for listening. Check in uh, later in the week to find out what's happening next week on It's That Episode. Uh, Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos. (laughs) 